Good morning. I am just praying to the Lord that uh, this morning I'll be able to share something that might help all of us and also remind us of a few things that we want to do and maybe this time we can do them. At the same time, I'm uh, hoping and praying that uh, what I'll be uh, talking uh, with all of us this morning will apply to everyone. <coughs> Growth is defined as a process of becoming larger and more mature through natural development, an increase in numbers, size, power or intensity. Now you and I are familiar with our kids or the way we're growing up. For mothers, they look at their babies from the time they know that they are pregnant. And many times we measure how they grow. Now the baby is formed by the union of an egg and a sperm cell, and from that union it goes through the process of cell multiplication. With each cell have its own function and part in the development of a healthy and viable fetus and delivered as a lovely and cute little baby. The baby grows with consistent care and nourishment from the mother and later on into a self-sufficient child. The growth of the baby is measured periodically by the pediatrician, and I think many of us have experienced that. The pediatrician will look at how the baby is growing in his weight, in his height, in his neurological and cognitive development. Many times we, as doctors, when we look at how the baby is uh, doing their fine movements, whether it's coarse or fine or... Is there any some or anything that something wrong with the baby? The book in pediatrics, which I did years ago, as a medical student, want all the students to know what expected growth and development of a one-year-old, two years old, three or four years old, and even up to the adolescent period. Any slowing down of a child's growth is closely examined and treated as indicated. When you and I go to school as kids, we are measured by our grades. You and I cannot graduate if we fail to meet the standard or policies set for us in order to graduate. In our jobs, we are assessed according to our productivity. Physical, academic, and professional growth are measured according to the prevailing norms. But I want us to ask ourselves, how can we measure our spiritual growth? Is there any way that we can measure how we're growing in our relationship with God and with each other? Or it's a taboo. Or can it really be measured? 
if it can be measured, what are the requirements to be considered as growing Christian? Are these requirements based on any expectation from the leadership of church or based on God's word? The year 2013 will be over in a few days' time. And I think many of us will have New Year's resolution. And many of us always look at ourselves, what do I need to enhance my own body image? We always think about, oh, I may have to lose some weight. Oh, I may have to gain a little more weight. And lots of things. But in your resolution, would it include how you can grow in a certain discipline of Christian living? Before knowing where to go, it is good to remember where we were. And we can look back, and then we can look forward. But there's one thing I want to share with you. Jesus Christ, uh, in his ministry, has always been measured by the religious leaders. They were trying to find out whether he is really the Messiah or he's just a fake. Or whether really he is the fulfillment of the prophecy that the religious leaders had been waiting for and knew. But I want uh, to read uh, in the book of Mark, chapter 12, from verse 28 until verse 34. This is a familiar portion of God's word for many of us. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. Well, said Tetzer, the man replied, You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but Him. To love Him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that He had answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more question. What is most important to you? Do you agree with the Lord Jesus Christ? That the most important thing is that we should love God? And he said that with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our minds, and with all our strength. In many ways, that can be a good way to measure all, none, or some. And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself.
My question really this morning is, how is relationship with the Lord? We become His children when one time in our lives knowingly gave ourselves to Him and accepted Him as our Lord and Savior. We are assured that no one and nothing can snatch us out from the Father's hand. No circumstances or any physical calamities nor sufferings as God's children can separate us from His love. Paul challenged us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And many times, many of us stop there. Work out your own salvation. We think that it should be from our own strength. But if we go to the next part of the passage, it says that God, it is God who works in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In our own salvation, you and I can grow in our salvation, in our sanctification, not by our own strength or effort, but it is through God who is working in us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will teach us all things and help us to remember the word of God. In John 14, uh, verse 15, Christ said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In verse 21, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So if there's anything that you and I can show that we really love God with everything we have is we keep His Word. Not only know His Word, but keep them or apply them in our own lives. In fact, in the next succeeding verse, 23 and 24, Christ said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the words that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. So in other words, our love can be manifested by how much we treasure His Word. If we ask ourselves, how can we show that we love Him? Is by our obedience. But we can only obey Him if we know what His Word is about and apply them in our own lives. Now, First Peter chapter 2, verse 2 uh, says that like a newborn infant, long for the spiritual milk that you and I may grow up into salvation. And Christ said in Matthew 4, 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out from the mouth of God. And let me ask you, 
When was the last time you spent time with him? This morning? Last night? Yesterday morning? A few days ago? A few weeks ago? A few months ago? Many months ago, I think probably almost a year now, we challenge ourselves to read the whole Bible. Let me ask you, where are you now in your reading of the Word of God? Are you almost done? Are you halfway through? Or you just started? Or have you ever started? No one author, it was uh, John Piper who uh, wrote a book about George Mueller, and he said that no, no, George Mueller, I read the Bible about a hundred times. But there was a part of uh, what he wrote that he read the word more than a hundred times few years before he died. And some said that he may have read the Bible two hundred times. Wow! Now I share to you that one time I read a tooth, it was, I think, Adoniram Judson or Hilton Taylor. This is that we have read the Bible 25 times. And that was a challenge for me. I did. 100 times? I don't know. I'm already 66. But one thing, we need to pursue God's Word and spend time in God's Word and know Him. Not just read, because Andy or anyone in the leadership asks you to do it. No. You read it because you love him. You and I can defeat Satan by knowing God's word and applying his word in our lives. And we are again reminded that the Word of God is the sword that penetrates into the deepest part of our own being. Paul in the book of Colossians has challenged us that you and I should be rooted down in Christ and built up in Christ. And you and I can be well founded and will grow and flourish and be fruitful only when we spend time with Him through His Word. We can only have the mind of our Lord Jesus Christ if His Word is in our hearts and in our minds. Paul said that we need to allow the Word of Christ to penetrate into our own being. He said, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Be saturated by His Word. And we can allow the Word of God to penetrate into our own lives, not only by listening, not only by reading, studying, and memorizing, but we should meditate on His Word and understand what God is telling us. And we can grow in our relationship with Him, and not only by spending time in His Word, but we can also grow in our relationship with Him 
by spending time with him in prayer. Now from the pages of the Bible, beginning from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, godly men and women spend a lot of time with our God, talking like friends, talking to him as our father. Moses, now from your reading in the book of Genesis until the book of Deuteronomy, now we can find that Moses never started anything without going to God in prayer. And that's what I love about Moses. No, he was trained to be a commander. He was trained to be one day lead the nation. But then he was dependent on God, and he never did anything without spending time with God. How about David? David never lost a war because he communed with God before launching a war. Daniel, he never missed a day without praying. Daniel 16 says that Daniel prayed three times a day and facing towards the east, towards the Jerusalem. <coughs> he never missed a day, not even when the king signed a law to prosecute anyone worshiping any other than the king. He was willing to die than to miss spending time with God. But God in his own plan, his own way, saved Daniel from the lions. How about the Lord Jesus Christ? If we go to Mark one thirty-five, it says that Early in the morning, while it was dark, he went to a lonely place to what? To pray. In Luke 6, verse 12, it says that he went out to the mountain and prayed all night. Before he chose the twelve, he spent time with God and spent all night. And then he chose who will be the twelve. In Luke 9, verse 18, Jesus Christ was praying in private. In Luke 11, 1, he was praying in a certain place. In Luke 21, 37, it's evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives. In Luke 22, 39, Jesus Christ went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. No, Jesus Christ Spent time with the Father. How about you? No, I learned when I was a kid, my mom and dad always tell me, you have to pray before you eat. So at least I prayed three times a day then. <coughs> but then I found out that it's just asking for blessing for what we eat, but it's more than that. It's just spending time with him, talking with him, like a child to his dad. In fact, if you go and look at Moses, no, Moses, there were times, was arguing with God for the sake of the Israelites. And Job, Job maintained that he was righteous. Job maintained that the sufferings uh, 
He was experiencing, uh, was not because he sinned, but Job still uh, man, had difficulty understanding why it happened to him. Not until he took with God and found out that God was sovereign and God did it for his own purpose and plan. How is our prayer life? Are we growing in our relationship with him with our prayers? And let me ask you, when was the last time you received an answer to your prayer? Perhaps you and I have asked lots of things from God. Do you ever remember your prayers were answered? What happened? John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. See, in our relationship with God, His word and prayer are linked with each other. In 1 John three twenty one twenty two, John said, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. So again, if we want to make our relationship with God, I would say, look at how you spend time with Him in His Word and in prayer. Men of God spend time, lots of time, in praying. I know uh, Martin Luther, early in the morning, spent about three hours with his bended knee and spent time with God. My next question is, how about our relationship with each other? No, we see each other more than one time a week. Are we growing in our relationship with each other? Hebrews 10, 24, 25, uh, basically are encouraging us and challenging us to stir up, encourage and stimulate everyone to love and to do good works. In other words, you and I come together for the reason that we want to build up each other. Not only in our relationship with God, but also build up our relationship with each other by sharing how God has been working in your life. We are also encouraged that we should not neglect meeting together but encouraging one another. And even, word of God is more so because the coming of the Lord is drawing near. So there's an urgency there that you and I should stir up, stimulate each other by meeting together. And we can grow up together. Not only by listening when the word is preached, but also by just talking with each other 
and sharing how God has been working in your own lives. If there's anything that encouraged me in my Christian life was when I see a friend of mine growing in his relationship with God. Especially when he took about the blessings he received when he spent the time with God that morning or a few days ago. And I saw them, God blessing them bountifully, not in terms only of their own growth as God's children, but even they were fruitful in God's ministry. I can cite you one example, a good friend of mine. We were roommates for a number of years. He came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, and his dad disowned him because he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, and because he didn't become a chemical engineer that his God wanted him to be. He gave himself to the ministry of helping guys come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and helping them grow personally, one-on-one. Another good friend of uh, ours, who also was working with him years ago, mentioned that because of what the Lord has done in his life, there were about 14 people, 14,000, I mean, 14,000 people came to another Jesus Christ and growing. Why? It started with him. So another one, another one was helping other one. And there was multiplication. On edge of this 14,000, I knew are not only growing uh, individually, but they're growing also thoughtfully. People come to know the Lord through their own lives and they help other people to grow. Yeah, we have to stir up with each other and help each other that we will be more thoughtful in our growth. In Galatians 6, 1, 2, and 3, it tells us also that if anyone of us was caught in sinning, Paul said, restore them gently as a brother and a sister, and be watchful also that you may not be in that same circumstance. And we should bear each other's burden. We should help each other bear one other's problems. You, can, you and I can help. At the same time, we need to do it because as we do it, we are fulfilling the second law, and that second law is that we love others as we love ourselves. How about our relationship with people who are still not in God's fold? Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before me that they may see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven. Galatians 6, 9 and 10 says that let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. 
So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of God. Christ said in John 10, 16, I have other sheep that are not in this fold. I must bring them also. And in John 14, 12, Christ said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the same works that I do, and greater works than this will he do, because I am going to my Father. Now, Jesus Christ, when he came and ministered for three years, many times think that he preached the gospel to the crowd. Yes, he did. But you know what? He chose 12 to be with him. When he went up to heaven, who continued the work? Was it the crowd? No. It was the 12 minus 1. Yes. Jesus Christ knew that to reach the world, he has to teach some people and be close with him and observe him and learn from him. And then the Holy Spirit came and then it exploded. They turned the world upside down. Yes, greater work than this will I do because I go to my father's house. That's why Christ said in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples, not converts, but disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's a challenge for all of us. In fact, in John 17, Christ not only prayed for the the apostles, the disciples, but he said, I am praying also for those who will come to know me through them. That includes you and me. Christ wants us to be a disciple. A disciple, uh, if we read the Word of God, is just not a learner, or he's not just a follower of some teaching, but he is fully committed to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's fully committed to his Word. He's fully, fully committed to him and fully committed to his work. A disciple is the one who loves Christ more than anyone else and more than anything else. And I think one of the things that we need to consider at this coming new year, do I love anyone more than Christ? Because Christ said, if you love your mother or mother, father, mother, or anyone else more than me, more than me, he cannot be my disciple. In conclusion, I want us to look back and examine ourselves. 
Is Jesus Christ really the Lord of my life? If not, how can I grow in living for him and with him as my Lord over anything, anyone, and everything? How can I grow in my relationship with him through his word? How much time do I want to give with him this coming new year? No, you and I have 24 hours. No more, no less. But the question is, how much time are, we, are you willing to spend time with him? Then how can I be a blessing to others who are still searching for the truth? Am I ready to share the gospel when called for or when opportunity occurs? If I'm not ready, how can I get some help? How can I be an effective witness for Christ? And I, I, by God's grace, able to bring them to the Lord. How can I help them grow to become disciples? Let me leave this a few verses before we'll pray. John chapter 12, verse 24 to 26. Jesus Christ was talking about his death. And this is what uh, he said. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it, remain, it remains only as a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will be also. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Yes, not least a kernel of wood will fall to the ground and dies. It will never produce any fruit. Now many times, that's what we need to do. We have to die from ourselves. And let Christ grow in us and work in us and through us. And I think you and I will be able to fulfill the greatest commandments. Love God with all our hearts, minds, strength. And let us love one another as we love ourselves. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, we come before your presence this morning. 
And thank you, Lord, that you have loved us. And that love meant dying for us. And that love never fades, never ends. And Lord, we thank you that there are times we failed you in our own lives, but Lord, you never deny yourself. You remained faithful. Many times, Lord, that we disobeyed you, but you're always there. Lord, it's my prayer that even as we go forward this coming year, I do pray that may our relationship with you will continue to grow. Lord, help us to learn from what happened uh, the year 2013. Lord, I do pray that you give us the strength as you have promised. And Lord, we know that the Holy Spirit is always with us. I do pray, Lord, that we learn how to live and be dependent on you. Lord, help us to understand that we are not our own anymore because you have bought us with a price. Help us understand that it's you. Who owns our lives. Lord, I do pray that whatever we do, it will always be glorifying your name. Lord, I pray that all of us will continue to grow not only as individuals, not only uh, growing, growing the image of Christ, but Lord, I do pray that we may also grow in fulfilling your plan. that through us your word will be preached. Lord, we cannot go to any country. Lord, but you have called us to stay here. And I do pray that we can do the same. That we can get to grow as disciples and Lord, that we can also help others become disciples. Thank you for this time. And thank you, Lord, for your word. The Supreme Jesus' name. Amen.